Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you have been safe. I hope all of you are continuing to socially distance yourselves, whether you are vaccinated or not. Whether you are vaccinated or not, I hope all of you are continuing to socially distance yourselves and wear your mask. Don't forget, we are all still in the middle of a pandemic. This pandemic is not over. So bottom line, at the end of the day, be smart. Don't be stupid. Okay. Wear your mask. That's all I'm asking. Be smart. Don't be stupid. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, as we all know, the summer is ending. And what does that mean? College football is coming back. The NFL is fast approaching. As a matter of fact, the first game of the NFL season is coming up next Thursday night with the Dallas Cowboys taking on the defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Which brings me to what I'm going to talk about in a quick second. I want to talk about what has stood out to me in sports thus far, and that is the quarterback position. Obviously, as we all know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Carson Wentz, Tua Tagovailoa, and now you have the newer crop of quarterbacks coming into the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. I bring up all of these quarterbacks, and then you have your old-timers, your Ben Roethlisberger's, your Tom Brady's, your Aaron Rodgers's. Why do I bring up all of these guys? I bring up all of these guys because even with some of the old-timers still left in the NFL, the NFL is in wonderful, wonderful hands at the quarterback position. Why? Because the NFL has finally has finally embraced fully they finally fully embraced and not so much the nfl but front offices gms and head coaches and scouts these 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 coaches and gms and scouts from all of these organizations that have drafted quarterbacks over the last four to five years they are now finally embracing that you can win with with a different style of quarterback in the nfl Back in the early to mid to late 2000s, going into the 2010s, you had your Brett Favre, you had your Tom Brady, your then and still now Tom Brady's, you had your Peyton Manning's of the world, you had your Trent Green's, you had your Kurt Warner's, you had your Philip Rivers's of the world, you had your Carson Palmer's of the world, Carson Palmer's of the world, and it was a rarity in the early to mid-2000s, that you saw Mike Vick, that you saw a Donovan McNabb, that you saw a Steve McNair. It was a rarity. Why? Because GMs and scouts and head coaches didn't fully embrace your Michael Vicks, your Donovan McNabbs, your Steve McNairs. But as we got further and further away from the 2000s, going into the late 2000s, early 2010s, you started to see Guys like Cam Newton. You started to see guys like now Justin Herbert. You started to see your Colin Kaepernick's of the world. And you started to see your Russell Wilson's of the world. And now the NFL has fully, fully, fully embraced that to the point where now you're seeing Kyler Murray. You're seeing Lamar Jackson. You're seeing Justin Herbert. You're seeing Patrick Mahomes. You're seeing... Tua Tagovailoa. You're seeing Trevor Lawrence. Why? Because the NFL, you're seeing the college game now 
being implemented more now into NFL being implemented now more than ever into NFL offensive game plans. And you're starting to see teams on offense go no more huddle now than ever before. Why? Because coaches and front offices and organizations are finally starting to realize and see that you can win now with with quarterbacks that are more versatile now than ever before. You can you can't just win now with a pocket passing quarterback. It's almost like looking at guys like Joe Flacco now. It almost makes it, it really almost makes the drop back the, the five step drop back quarterback look extinct. Like 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 realistically. I was watching Joe Flacco the other night when the when the Philadelphia Eagles played the New York Jets and it really had me it really like it really didn't have me thinking but now that i think about it it really makes me think that nowadays the five step drop back quarterback now is almost extinct now because of so because you have so much talent in the nfl now with guys like lamar and kyler and justin herbert and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who can run around and makes and make plays and make so many plays that the that these coaches now are fully fully starting to embrace that, and that's why I say the NFL has been has a embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position with so many different styles of quarterbacks that these coaches and these teams can can and are winning with now. And not only that, not only are these quarterbacks that that we see now around the NFL as talented as they are and are as talented as they're going to be moving forward, whether it be winning games, winning playoff games, going to NFC or AFC title games, winning MVPs, winning winning offensive player of the year, winning offensive player of the year and winning Super Bowls. Not only is that on the table for all of these young, talented quarterbacks moving forward, but all of these young, talented quarterbacks are really, really good guys. They're really, really good guys who you really don't see get in trouble off the field. And that is something that I'm sure the NFL is truly, truly, truly proud of. And the NFL is in very, very good hands moving forward. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about very, very quickly my dark horse team in the AFC, my dark horse teams, excuse me, in the AFC and in the NFC. First off, in the NFC, I want to talk about the Carolina Panthers very, very quickly. As we all know, the Carolina Panthers traded for Sam Darnold from the New York Jets. And obviously, with Sam, with, with Sam, with Sam Darnold, you have weapons on the offensive side of the football for the Carolina Panthers, like a DJ Moore, like a Terrace Marshall, like a David Moore, like a Robbie Anderson. And then in the backfield, Christian McCaffrey, Chuba Hubbard. Then on the defensive side of the football, Derek Brown, Hassan Reddick, Brian Burns at the pass rusher positions, Shaq Thompson in the middle in the middle of the defense at middle linebacker on the back end. The Panthers have Jeremy Chin. And then at the cornerback positions, Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn. Simply put, the Carolina Panthers remind me of that Carolina Panthers team that went to the Super Bowl in 2003 with Jake DeLone, Moussin Muhammad, Steve Smith, Stephen Davis, Deshaun Foster. And then on the defensive side of the football, they had DeForest Buckner, Julius Peppers, Dan Morgan, Ricky Manning, and Mike Minter. 
That's what this Panthers team reminds me of right now. Am I saying this Carolina Panthers team is going to go to the Super Bowl like that Panthers team did? No, I am not. But what I am simply saying is if you look at that Carolina Panthers team that went to the Super Bowl and you look at this Carolina Panthers team, they look almost exactly similar. Two-headed monster in the backfield, two very, very good receivers, a very, very good and productive and capable quarterback. Then on the defensive side of the football, a middle linebacker, a very, very good safety on the back end, and a very good cornerback. And my that that's what this Carolina that's that's who this Carolina Panthers team reminds me of. And now, like I said before, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl. But I'm saying if you look at that Panthers team from 03 and you look at this Carolina Panthers team now, it looks almost damn near similar. Now, here's the thing with the Panthers. In my opinion, the Panthers are a playoff team. But for me, I believe the Carolina Panthers are probably one, maybe two, more than likely probably two, more years away from being a legitimate NFC championship contending team. I believe they are that close. I believe they're that close. They're slowly but very, very quickly building this team together, and I like it, and I love what the Carolina Panthers are doing. So they're my dark horse team in the NFC. In the AFC, they're not really so much my dark horse team, but they're a team that I've really, really liked for the last couple of years because they've had a lot of talent, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers. Obviously, Justin Herbert, Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Obviously, they lost Hunter Henry. And then on the defensive side of the football, Chris Harris Jr., Asante Samuel, who they drafted. They drafted Rashawn Slater to help protect Justin Herbert. And then and then at the edge rush position, you got Nick Bosa. You got Uchenna Onwusu. And then in the middle of the defense, uh, defensive line, you got Linval Joseph, Jerry Tillery, I like what the Los Angeles Chargers are doing with new head coach Brandon Staley. I like what the Los Angeles Chargers are doing. It's Here's the thing with the Chargers, and I'm going to be really, really quick with, quick with this, and it's just this simple. With the, with the Los Angeles Chargers, it's not so much about their talent because they've had talent the last couple of years, more mainly the last three years. Simply put, with the Los Angeles Chargers, they need to get the hell out of their own way. And it doesn't just go back to last year or even two or three years ago. It This goes all the way back to 2004, 2003. When, and, and they've always had special teams issues. It's never been a talent issue with the Los Angeles Chargers. It has just simply been the simple fact that the Chargers just cannot finish games. So... That's that's mainly it with the Los Angeles Chargers. They have the talent to get to the playoffs and win a or multiple playoff games because they, they've done it before in the past. They just need to figure out a way to finish these games and get out of their own way, which is why I believe, which is why they're one of my playoff teams this year moving forward. So in the AFC, it's the Los Angeles Chargers, and then the NFC, it's the Carolina Panthers. But coming up coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you guys my rankings for each quarterback in each division in both the AFC and NFC. My quarterback rankings from 1 to 4 in the AFC and NFC in each division. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. 
as you guys heard me talk about earlier on in the show, I talked about why the NFL was in such good hands with all of the young, up-and-coming talent at the quarterback position in the NFL, including some of the old-timers with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger, which brings me to my first NFL quarterback ranking system. I'm going to give you guys each ranking of quarterbacks in each division in each conference. Okay, from one to four, I'm going to rank the quarterbacks from one to four in each division in the AFC, and I'm going to rank each quarterback from one to four in each division in the NFC. Let's get started. In the AFC, in the AFC East, number one quarterback, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Number two, Cam Newton of the New England Patriots. Number three, Tua Tagovailoa of the Miami Dolphins. And quarterback number four, Zach Wilson of the New York Jets. In the AFC South. Number one quarterback, Deshaun Watson. That's no surprise, obviously. Number two, Ryan Tannehill. Number three, Carson Wentz. Number four, Trevor Lawrence. In the AFC North, my number one quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Number two, Joe Burrow. Number three, Baker Mayfield. Number four, Ben Roethlisberger. And in the AFC West, Number one, obviously, without question, is Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Derek Carr. Number three, Justin Herbert. And number four, Teddy Bridgewater. In the NFC, in the NFC North, number one, obviously, as we all know, the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Kirk Cousins. Number three, Jared Goff. Number four, Andy Dalton, obviously. And in the NFC East, number one, Dak Prescott. Number two, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Number three, Daniel Jones. Number four, Jalen Hurts. In the in the NFC South, number one, obviously the GOAT, Tom Brady. Number two, Matt Ryan. Number three, Sam Darnold. Number four, Jameis Winston. And last but not least, in the NFC West, number one, Russell Wilson. Number two, Jimmy Garoppolo. Number three, Matthew Stafford. And number four, Kyler Murray. So that is my QB ranking for each division, both in the AFC and NFC. Very, very quickly, I want to talk about um very, very quickly, I want to talk about the AFC South very, very quickly. And I know a lot of you out there probably thinking, Jared, you got Ryan Tannehill ranked ahead of Carson Wentz. Why? Here's why I got Ryan Tannehill ranked ahead of Carson Wentz. Number one, Ryan Tannehill has played very, very well the last couple of years. Yes, he lost Arthur Smith due to Arthur Smith moving on to be the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. But Carson Wentz has a couple of things to prove. Okay, and this is why I have this is why I have Ryan Tannehill ranked ahead of Carson Wentz. Ryan Tannehill has more playoff wins in his career right now than Carson Wentz. That's number one. Carson Wentz has to prove that not only can he stay healthy, but that man has to also prove that he can lead his team to a playoff victory. So once Carson Wentz proves that he can stay healthy and lead his team to a playoff victory or multiple playoff victories, I'm not ranking him ahead of Ryan Tannehill. I'm just not doing it. I'm just not doing it. Now, in the AFC North, a lot of people are probably thinking, Jared, you got Baker. You got Joe Burrow ranked ahead of Baker Mayfield. Yes, I do. I watched Joe Burrow play last year. Joe Burrow is pretty much carrying that Cincinnati Bengals franchise on his back. Okay, 
so much to the point where he literally wrecked his ACL to do it. Baker Mayfield is playing in a system that doesn't require him to carry the Cleveland Browns on his back. He has a running game and he has a and he and he has an up and coming very very good defense. Joe Burrow doesn't have that. He does not have that. Joe Burrow has a lot of talent surrounded by him on the offensive side of the football, but when I look at Joe Burrow and I look at Baker Mayfield, I look at both of these guys and I say to myself, if I had to rely on which one, on one of these two quarterbacks to to carry my franchise moving forward, literally on their back. If I had to pick one, I would pick Joe Burrow. I would pick Joe Burrow. And why would I pick Joe Burrow? Because Joe Burrow has proven that, that he doesn't necessarily need a system to, to benefit from as far as being successful. Baker Mayfield needs a system, i.e. when he was at the University of Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. Baker Mayfield played in a system. Joe Brady, yes, Joe Burrow played in a system at LSU. But here's the but here's the thing about that. Joe Burrow was the catalyst of that system at LSU. So so that's my reason as to why I chose to put Joe Burrow ahead of Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow can literally carry your franchise. Baker Mayfield can't do that. Baker Mayfield has to play in a system. He has to play in a system just like he did at Oklahoma. So that's why that's why I have that's why I have Joe Burrow ranked ahead of Baker Mayfield. And a lot of people are probably thinking, why you got Ben Roethlisberger ranked last? It, me personally Personally, it's just this simple. Ben Roethlisberger is on his last legs in Pittsburgh. It's just that simple. He's on his last legs, and Ben Roethlisberger cannot cannot carry a franchise like he once did. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh cannot allow Ben Roethlisberger to throw the football 40, 45, 50 times. They can't allow him to do that. Because if they do, they're going to lose games. It's just that simple. So that's why I have Ben Roethlisberger ranked ranked last, and that's and that's pretty much it for my rankings. So, you know, that's pretty much it for my rankings for, for my quarterback rankings. That's pretty much it in the AFC and in the NFC for each division moving forward. And hell, I mean. As far as the AFC South, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz can literally erase everything that I just said about him as far as him having to prove that he needs to stay healthy and win a playoff game. He can erase all of that this season if he leads the Indianapolis Colts to the division champ to the AFC South division title. And he leads them to a playoff win or two. If he leads the Indianapolis Colts to a division championship while staying healthy and he leads them to his first ever playoff victory, then everything that I just said about Carson Wentz goes completely out the window. Everything. But until he does that, I'm taking Ryan Tannehill over Carson Wentz right now. Simply because Ryan Tannehill has played his ass off and he's played to the level of his capabilities. 
And he's and not only that, he has stayed healthy. Now, Ryan Tannehill may take a dip in statistics because of the simple fact that he doesn't have Arthur Smith anymore and he and he was comfortable with Arthur Smith. So the fact that he lost Arthur Smith may be somewhat of a detriment to him. But I digress with that point. And those are my rank and those are my quarterback rankings, ladies and gentlemen, in the AFC for each division and in the NFC for each division. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for the final segment of the show. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. Why do I bring up the year 2013? I bring up the year 2013 because that is the year that is the year that one of the greatest conference championship games took place. The 2013 NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. For Seattle, obviously for Seattle, you had Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse. Then on the offensive side of the football, you had Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Malcolm Smith, K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, Chris Clemens, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Richard Sherman, Byron Maxwell. And then on the 49ers, you had Colin Kaepernick. You had Frank Gore. You had Ted Ginn Jr. You had you had Anquan Bolden, who had just came over from San Francisco, from Baltimore, from winning the Super Bowl the previous year. Okay? And then on the defensive side of the football, like I said before, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Alden Smith, Justin Smith, Carlos Rogers, and as we all know, that game ended on a Richard Sherman tipped tipped intercept tipped interception by then Seahawks by then Seahawks linebacker and then eventual MVP Malcolm Smith. But ladies and gentlemen, what if what if Colin Kaepernick had actually completed that pass to my, completed that pass to to a to an intended receiver Michael Crabtree? What if Michael Crabtree had actually caught that pass and San Francisco had actually won that game? That means they would have actually went on to play the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 48, and they would have gotten a second crack at trying to win a Super Bowl and play, and they would have played Peyton Manning and the Broncos. How would that how would that San Francisco 49ers defense had matched up have matched up against that Broncos offense with Peyton Manning, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Wes Welker? And then on the defensive side of the football, think about it. On the defensive side of the football, that Broncos defense did not have Vaughn Miller. They had DeMarcus Ware, but they didn't have Vaughn Miller. So Again, what if, what if San Fran, what if San Fran had beaten Seattle in the 2013 NFC title game? And they had gone on to play Denver in the Super Bowl in, two, in, in, in 2013, in Super Bowl 48. Would San Francisco have finally been be able to get over the hump after after winning after winning their last Super Bowl eighteen years prior in nineteen in in, in a, 
in 19, if I'm not mistaken, 1995, 1984, 1985, when Steve Young was their quarterback, where they have finally gotten over the hump with Colin Kaepernick and Frank Gore and Michael Crabtree and Anquan Bolden and Naval Bowman and Patrick Willis and Alden Smith and Justin Smith, where they have finally been able to get over the hump and beat Peyton Manning and, and, and that Broncos team. That was that was that was statistically the greatest offense in NFL history. Would they have finally got over the hump and defeated that Broncos team in Super Bowl forty eight instead of instead of Seattle? Because think about it, whoever would have won that NFC championship game between Seattle and San Fran, they were gonna win the Super Bowl. So whether what even so even with it being Seattle, if San Fran would have beaten Seattle and gone on to the Super Bowl to play Denver, I think San Fran would have stood. I think San Fran would have beaten Denver too. But again, this is all a what if scenario. What if? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Jared Dawkins. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope all of you continue to wear your mask and socially distance yourselves. I hope all of you I hope all of you continue to be smart. Don't be stupid. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace.